0: I'll go ahead and open up with prayer, and then we'll go into Scripture. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. Um, Father, I pray that uh, today, um, just as the song said, that your spirit might speak through your word. That's our prayer today, that we hear from your Holy Spirit, through your word, uh, and use me just as, as a vessel, as a mouthpiece, Lord. I pray that everyone be blessed by your word and everyone be changed and transformed by it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Jude, beginning with verse 1, I'm going to read through about verse 2. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Now, Jude here, his name is actually Judas, uh, but because I, I guess they don't want him to be mistaken with Judas, the, apost- the, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, they identify him as Jude, but his name was actually uh, Judas. He is a half-brother of Jesus. He's a brother of James, who also is a brother of Jesus. Now, James and Jude... Um, grew up with Jesus and then never seen him or identified him as the Messiah, as the son of God. I I would imagine that growing up with Jesus, they they would just probably say that here he goes again with these thoughts of grandeur, you know, thinking that he's the son of God. That was kind of their mentality. But after the resurrection, Jude and James had a very complete change of heart. And, and the identity of their brother now went from just a half brother that they actually realized that he was a half brother that the father was God, and so now he's Jude in humility is saying, "Me, a bond servant, a bond servant." So now this is his mindset. He's a bond servant. What is a bond servant? A bond servant in those days is one whose life was owned by another he really had no free will he only did whatever the master told him to do whoever owned him and you know a lot of people would give themselves up freely to be a bondservant if the master was really good because after after so many years i believe it was seven years yeah after seven years they have to release, release the captives. However, if you wanted to remain a bondservant, you could. And if you had a good master, you would. Well, James is saying, I have a good master. We have a good master. He's good. He loves us. So, but that's the mentality of a bondservant is my life is not my own. It belongs to Jesus. Everything I do with my life is dependent on what Jesus says to me. Everything is dependent on his relationship with me. And we know that we receive communication from Jesus through his Holy Spirit who lives in us. But that's that's the bondservant. He identifies himself as a bondservant. Now he says, the letter is being written to those who are called. So the letter here is not being written to a specific church, but to all Christians in general. To those who are called, which means all believers which are sanctified, meaning sanctification, sanctified means to be set apart. Each and every one of us who's received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are set apart, we are sanctified for God's use, for God's purpose. So he's writing to all Christians who are sanctified by God. Then we go on to verse 3 and it says... Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So what is is Jude saying here? I I earnestly uh, exhort you to contend for your faith. Now, to contend for one's faith. Contend means to struggle. And if you look at it from the Greek culture, it is in reference to sports. It's to wrestling. Wrestlers, I don't know how many of you here wrestled in, in high school. I did. You struggle. It's struggle. And it's tiring because you're using all your strength. But Judah's saying here, content, struggle for your faith. Defend it. Why? Because false teachers as entered into the church so he wants to address false teachers and then he, what jude does is identify some characteristics of false teachers now we should be aware of so that we uh, can can know when a false teacher comes into the church so uh, from about four, verse four through 17 we're going to see jude explain these characteristics of false teachers what they're like what they do what their motivation is uh, he, he ends by saying they don't have the Holy Spirit, um, and then the latter scriptures is going to contrast a, a spirit-filled believer with these false teachers. In other words, what a believer should be like, or what one who is not a false teacher should be like. Now, earlier on, early on in verse three, he says, "Well, I was very diligent." to write to you concerning our common salvation. Now, common salvation, he's not downplaying salvation like it's common. What he's he's saying is common salvation, the salvation we all have in common. It's that mindset that he's speaking of. He wanted to write about that, but he found it urgent that he needs to write about contending for the faith. In other words, defending it, watching over it. All of us are responsible to... Check out what the word of God says when a teacher teaches anything. You're to validate what that teaching is by the word of God. Be like the Bereans. Go home, search out the scriptures. Then what he teach, line up with the word of God. And that is is in itself one of the most important reasons why we should be uh, earnestly in the word of God, really seeking it out. Let's go on to verse 4. Now, in verse 4, he begins to talk about the false teachers. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So some men have crept in unnoticed. So these false teachers are coming into the church and nobody really notices that you know they have come in. They have come in in stealth mode. They just kind of blend in. They don't act any different than anybody else. In fact, a lot of times the scripture can be, their teaching can be lining up and then slowly they'll introduce introduce false teaching, which is what, what Jude here brings out. So we need, need to be cautious of these type of men. They come in, to the church with malicious intent. In other words, they come in already with the idea of destroying whatever God is trying to do in that church or what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in the church. Uh, they also turn the grace of God into lewdness. Strong concordance says of lewdness unbridled lust, less, excess less, lasciviousness, lasciviousness Wantonness, outrageousness, <laughs> shamelessness, and insolence. So they're trying to do damage. They're, they're trying to corrupt. And he's going to give some examples in the Old Testament of these exact type of people. Um, so let's go on to verse 5. Um, but, and I'm going to read through about verse 7. But I want to remind you Though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of that great day. and As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So verses 5 through 7, which we just read, give us, gives us three examples of these type of false teachers who come unawares. First, we see in Israel, uh, we know the story of Israel, right? We know how they were delivered out of Egypt, and God performed many, many, many miracles. But yet, when they got to the promised land, and they seen the giants, they were fearful, and because of this fear, okay, only a few, some had a good report, and some had a bad report. The majority of the congregation chose to go with the bad report. So, what's that saying? These false teachers usually have a very negative attitudes. They, they, they feel defeated. If God has asked you to do something, irregardless of how impossible it seems, God is with you, it will be fulfilled. Who can stop the almighty God? Yet the people that came back from spying out the land and gave a poor report, they followed them instead of the few that had a good report, who trusted in God. Only two from that generation made it into the promised land. Only two. Now, we know that those that followed the ones that gave a bad report or a bad testimony or were fearful, God did not give us a spirit of fear, they all did not enter into the promised land. God had to wait till another generation came up who would follow what he asked them to do. So this is this is um, a character trait, is they're fearful, um, they don't trust in God, they don't have faith, these false teachers, and they will bring everyone out of God's blessing. What do I mean by that? These people were blessed, they were taken out of Egypt, they, they got through the, the Red Sea, They had all these blessings and their final blessing was to enter into the promised land and they missed it because they followed a bad person, a person with a bad report. And what he's saying here is be careful because you can be led astray just like the people in Israel were led astray. Now he gives another example. These are human beings. These are people who were judged for following a false teacher um, that's why it's so important for us to be in the Word of God. We need to be able to identify a false teacher. Jessica and I were talking about a particular person we were listening to on TV, and he was just off. He was just off, you know? And I turned it off. He was off from Scripture, so I turned it off. I not even forget who the guy was, but I, I changed it. And the Holy Spirit will, will give you that uncomfortable feeling when somebody's off on Scripture, Pay attention to what the spirit is telling you, but more important, know know the word of God. Now, angels, it says, who left their abode. This is in Genesis chapter 6. The union of angels and humans produced hybrids, giants, and then God destroyed all life on the planet with the exception of Noah and his family, eight people in total. These angels were were chained until judgment day. So the even the angels can mislead you. You need to be careful that what they say is lining up with the word of God. What are some religions that are misled by angels? I can think of at least three. Mormonism, angel talks, Moroni talks to Joseph Smith. Muhammad, an angel talks to Muhammad in a cave. Jehovah's Witness are, are led astray by angels. And not only that, they're told that Jesus Christ was an angel, totally false. He's the son of God. He's not a created being. He's a begotten being. He's from God. He is God. He is divine. Yet these angels, a third of them fell with Satan. Some are in prison and some are not. And we have to contend with those that are not in prison. But even following an angel can lead you astray and lead you into judgment. And again, I can't, I can't uh, reinforce this enough, know your word. When somebody's off, know your word. In fact, Pastor Joseph, says, if I'm ever wrong, I you know, tell me. I would say the same thing. If you think I'm wrong about something, tell me, because I, I'm not perfect. I can make mistakes. And would, would um, gladly invite uh, being corrected if I'm wrong. But I try with all my God to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow the word of God. So these these angels, we're going to speak a little bit more about them later, but everything that Jude is talking about, the angels, comes out of the book of, this is a guy that was no longer, he walked with God and then he was no more, the book of Enoch, the book of Enoch. What, and, and he is quoting a lot of his, what he is saying is quoted verse. By verse from the Book of Enoch, why is Enoch not in our Bibles? they say Enoch 's not in our Bibles because there is no uh, transcript original transcript that they can follow back even though it 's in the Dead Sea Scrolls the Book of Enoch is there, and because they couldn 't understand it, they they chose to leave it out but the Book of Enoch um, clearly identifies the Messiah, clearly identifies these fallen angels who had fallen. And Jude is quoting him word for word. So Jude is quoting him. If a brother of Jesus is quoting him, I think that Enoch has some good things to say. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed for sexual immorality. So let's go back to the angels. What's the main point there? With Israel, don't be misled by people. With angels, don't be misled by spiritual beings. Uh, And now Sodom and Gomorrah, don't be misled by cultures. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed for sexual immorality. Uh, Now it says the fullness of food and idle hands was the cause of this sexual immorality. In other words, Sodom and Gomorrah, the land was such a blessed place, there was natural watering going on all the time. There was hardly any need to till or, or to work the land. They had plenty that was plentiful for them. And because there was so much plenty, they were blessed by God in this land. They became idle and, and their idleness began to sin and, and these manners that um, he's talking about. Um, Ezekiel 1649 writes uh, concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. They began to not care about anybody but themselves and their own pleasure. And that was a downfall of following the culture. We're in this world, but we're not of the world. Nor should we follow the cultures of this world. We follow one who is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Not what culture uh, tries to tell us or or tries to uh, assimilate us into, right? Um, Now, we're going to go down to verse 8, and this is about the character of dangerous uh, men that that are going into the church of God. Verse 8, it reads, Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, Reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Now, everything I'm reading is actually, he's quoting word for word in the book of Enoch. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast and these things they corrupt themselves likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh jude associates the false teachers with the same type of immoral sins as sodom and gomorrah so in other words what was found in sodom and gomorrah these false teachers have have those type of issues um now, they didn't have respect, authority, and they spoke evil of dignitaries. They reject God's authority in the church. In other words, they always have a complaint. They're always murmuring. And he's going to get more into this. But this is, this is a characteristic of a false teacher. Chuck Smith, I was reading Calvary Chapel Distinctives. Chuck Smith said, if you're going to appoint an elder... Look to see who shows up in your prayer meetings and they're the ones that are not murmuring and complaining and those are the ones you should probably seek out to be your elders. Because they're not not—they're not out to destroy the man of God. They're not out to criticize and bring him down. They're to build him up. They are, when they see the pastor is in need, they go into prayer for him. So Chuck Smith says, that's where you need to find your elders. I find that there's a lot of, that's a lot of wisdom in that. Don't look for the ones that are vocal because a lot of times the, the most vocal are the most complainers. And yet they, they reject authority. They don't like authority. They don't like God's authority. They don't like the, whatever the pastor is saying. It's not that they're against the pastor. They're against God who's speaking the word of God. And they're actually against God. And, and so who do they take it out? They take it out on the pastor because he's representing Christ. He's representing God. And these false teachers will oftentimes uh, reject authority um, and speak evil of dignitaries. And when he's saying "Speak evil of dignitaries," um, he's talking about the archangel. Now the Archangel Michael is an archangel who is specifically assigned to defend the nation of Israel. That's one of his primary responsibilities. Michael takes care of Israel. You'll see that as you go through the scriptures, you'll see that that's what what he's been uh, charged with. That's what his orders are, take care of Israel. And he is a very powerful angel. And the ark means to lead, so he's a leading angel. and Kind of like a, a high general, he's a leader. So the archangel Michael, with all his power and all his authority, did not dare rebuke Satan. And when you have these people going about rebuking what they don't know rebuking Satan and thinking they, now Jesus said he gave us authority over demons. I'm not saying we don't have authority, but I'm saying be careful what we say. The Archangel Michael did not rebuke Satan. Chuck Smith says, I much would rather uh, turn it over to, to Jesus. I much would rather put Jesus between me and Satan. If Satan's ever giving you a heart, don't try to think you can take him on by yourself. Put Jesus in between yourself and Satan. But they have no respect. They go off. Blame. Most people that blame the devil uh, uh, are really about issues they, that they have themselves and they're just looking out to blame anybody. Um, but yeah, they have no respect for authority and they have no respect for dignitaries or or spiritual beings um, I don't, I don't respect Satan, but I am not going to challenge him. I, I would rather put Christ between me and him because he is also a very powerful created being. Um, and Jesus is more powerful. So I, I'll use my big brother to defend me. You know? <laughs> so it's like um, I used to do that a lot in high school, right? Uh, People would come up to me and say, and were afraid of me because my older brother had a reputation. Our older brother Jesus has a reputation. He's all powerful. Uh, he's the creator of all. Um, verse eleven: Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam, for profit and perish, perish in the rebellion of of Korah. So, uh, three more characteristics of false teachers. Cain, what was Cain's issue? Now, we're talking about uh, false teachers. Cain's issue was jealousy, and jealousy which often led to anger, and anger which often um, lends itself to rage, and rage which often leads to murder. So that's why Jesus said if you have anger in your heart, you've already murdered your brother, because anger is the beginning stages of moving from that, to rage, to murder. And these people are, are angry. These false teachers operate in jealousy and anger. They'll get angry with people uh, or get jealous with people for uh, crazy reasons. But this is one thing he says, be careful with false teachers come into your church, especially if they're demonstrating jealousy and anger. Uh, that was Cain. We know what Balaam's issue was, right? Uh, We're talking about these false teachers. Balaam's issue was greed. We know that, um, I don't remember the king that asked Balaam, but he was a prophet. And a king asked Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And Balaam said, I cannot, for they are blessed of God. I can't curse them. And so the king kept offering money, and it, it was getting his attention. So there is there's an issue of greed with false teachers. There, a, lot, a lot of false teachers are in it for the money. They see church as a business rather than a calling or a ministry. I am up here not because I want a lot of money. I'm up here because God said, this is what I've called you to do. And so I'm being obedient to the calling. It's not a matter of a, of, a, of a career choice, but a matter of me being obedient to what God wants me to do. That's the difference between a true minister of God and a false minister of God. A lot, a lot of them do it for money, and he's saying, be careful. Watch that they're not greedy, just like Balaam. Now, what did Balaam do when finally he became so greedy? We know that God sent an angel down to stop him, right? And the donkey spoke, remember that? donkey say hey why, why are you mad at me I, I guess he couldn't see the angel but the donkey could the, the donkey had more sense and vision than the prophet now what happened when Balaam finally realized he could not put a curse as a prophet on the people of Israel he taught the king how to entice them to put a curse upon themselves and so what did Balaam do he said go over there and and send some girls from your nation to get them enticed and then have them uh, worship false idols. So there was a worship of false idols and improper relationships um, that Balaam caused the nation of Israel to fall. So Balaam's issue is greed and there's a lot of false teachers that come into ministry for greed. And Korah, We all know about Korah. He's in number 16. Korah uh, complained because Moses and Aaron had all the authority. Korah was from the nation of Levite, and they had their own special calling. But Korah felt anybody should be able to lead. He should be able to lead the nation, not just Moses. And what happened? Moses said, okay, let's let God decide who should be the leader. And what happens? God tells Moses, hey, move out of the way. Move out of the way. And Moses moves out of the way. And God tells him, okay, those of you that are with Moses, go with Moses. Those of you that are with Korah, go over there. The ground opened up and swallowed them all. And then then God sent fire down and destroyed them. So, but what was Korah's issue? Korah's issue was jealousy, yes. But more importantly, he wanted power, control, authority. And those those are characteristics of false teachers too. Let's go on to verse 12. Um, Verse 12 read, These are spots in your love feeds, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. This is Jude still talking about the characteristics of false teachers. And the characteristics of these false teachers, every word that was spoken here by Jude is also in the book of Enoch. Uh, there are spots in your love feast. Love feasts were like a potluck. Remember we used to have those Elder Steve, we used to have, Potlucks every other day. I think here at one point, we used to have a lot of potlucks. But what these false teachers did in these potlucks, these false pe- teachers would not take anything to uh, to help. They wouldn't serve. They'd only serve themselves. They wouldn't serve the people. So they were really, you know, they went they went to these love feasts, as they're called but they only were concerned about themselves. They weren't concerned about the people. A lot of times, these love feasts that they had, a lot of the poor may have been the only meal they might have gotten in a day or two or maybe a week. And they didn't care about the poor. They cared more about themselves and what they were going to eat, and not caring about anybody else. So they would get together and have these potlucks, and this was a way also of reaching out you know, to their community and feeding those that weren't able to feed. But they didn't care about them. They cared more about themselves and Eating before anybody else—that's what Jude is saying. They were lying. They are clouds without water. Actually, Enoch is saying that, and Judah just repeating it. They are clouds without water. What, what good are clouds without water? They produce nothing. They—they they have no rain, so it—it it doesn't uh, nourish your plants, your garden. It—you know, your grass dies. What happens around here when in the summer, when there's no rain? Everything turns gray. So. They're like clouds without water. In other words, they're empty, they're hollow. They produce nothing, no fruit. What happens with water when it hits a plant during spring? All our garden produces all this fruit, all these flowers. Well, they don't produce anything. They're just dead. Uh, Wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness. They wind up in eternal darkness without God. That's their ultimate destiny. Verse 14, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly, among them all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Jude, again, is quoting the book of Enoch, And let's go on to verse 16. Verse 16 said, These grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust." These are central persons who cause divisions not having the spirit of God. So grumblers, there are grumblers. He's still going on with the characteristics of these false teachers. A grumbler is defined as a murmur, one who is discontentedly complains about God constantly. Uh, they flatter for hidden agendas. In other words, they flatter people or are saying things, nice things. It's usually because they have a hidden agenda and they're trying to get on your good side. They cause divisions. And most, and most importantly, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Um, let's go on to verse 20. And here he, now he kind of switches gears and he begins to talk about how the character of a believer of Christ should be like and what we should be like as well as uh, the people that that are pastoring or ministering within the church, how they should be like. But you, beloved, building up yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude contrasts spiritual men with carnal men described in verses 4 through 19. We're to keep ourselves in the love of God so he can bestow on us everything he wants to bless us with. The attitude described in verses 4 through 19 move us away from the place of blessing. We build ourselves up in the faith by the study of God's word. It's hard to trust God when we don't know him, but, better, but the better we know him, the more we trust him, and we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Holy Spirit uh, by asking the Holy Spirit to direct our prayers. Uh, there are many nights when God just gets me up, and sometimes it happens to both myself and Jessica, gets us up in the middle of the night, and we just have a, a conviction that we need to be praying. And oftentimes we have to ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. Who am I supposed to be praying? For? What am I supposed to be praying? So you just wait on the Spirit to guide you, to direct your prayers. And the Holy Spirit, is, what I find is, as, as I begin to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to direct my prayer. He, he kind of takes over just by beginning the prayer. So always look for the Holy Spirit to direct your prayer. We know that in Romans, it says the Holy Spirit prays in our groans and in our moans. And then there's there's also praying in unknown tongues or unknown languages, 1 Corinthians 14. We also keep ourselves in the love of God by looking for the return of Christ. Things are put into perspective when we keep his return in our minds. Things are put in, into perspective when we stay focused on Christ's return. I, I tend to get an urgency when I think about his return to make sure I'm in his will and doing his will and all those who God has willed for them to hear whatever he's speaking through the word of God through me that they hear so that they go wherever God has intended them to go. So keeping his return in mind is is important. And I find that the older I get the more I look to that and the more I pray for everyone to know. Jesus Christ, we were at the vision school yesterday and they really bring that out. You know, it's training for missionaries but they really bring it out that um, they really bring out a heart the heart of God for the nations and how we should Take that into our heart. The same love that he has for the nations we should have. Verse 22, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Um, Verse 22 through 23, People come to Christ for different reasons. Some people hear of God's love for them and they respond to him in love. So, And that's usually what I try to share whenever I am sharing is the love of God and I pray that the love of God is what motivates people to come to God and accept God's forgiveness and accept eternal life. Some people need to be motivated by fear. Some people do not like, some religions don't like to even talk about hell but hell is a a reality And we need, and this is what he means by some you win by fear, some you have to really convict with fear. And if you don't change, your life is destined to hell. And if you don't change, that's where you're going to wind up. Would you not rather have eternal life? And you motivate them by fear. Now, I personally would rather motivate by love, but hell is there's also needs to be talked about. Jesus talked about hell, but some. Some ministers, some pastors are even afraid that they might offend somebody. They're going to be offended when they go to hell because, you know, and especially if you didn't, you're going to be offended because you didn't speak about what hell was like. Hell's not a friendly place. Um, Verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy, To God our Savior, who is alone wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. Jesus Christ keeps us from falling when we stay in the love of God. Christ presents us to God faultless, as pure and holy, as he is with great joy. You know, it's often been said that Jesus is like... uh, is like our lawyer. He's our advocate. He goes before the Father and speaks on our behalf. Uh, That's an honor to have the Son of God speaking on your behalf. If there's ever an advocate that anybody needs, it is the Lord. So with that, I'll close. And uh, we're going to have some coffee out there and some uh, cookies and other stuff once we're done here. But we'll close, and I pray that you all have a blessed time. Let's continue to... uh, In fact, we'll pray for Pastor Joe right now. Just be in agreement with me for Pastor Joe and Sister Irene. Father, I just pray that you would um, continue to have Pastor Joe get stronger, get better, and continue to keep Sister Irene in good health. Uh, We pray that she... uh, does not get the virus and that she continues to stay clear of it. And we thank you for her protection and we thank you for Pastor Joe's healing. We look forward to seeing him here next week. And we ask that you would just bless both of them. Father, I also pray a blessing upon everyone here. I pray that they are aware of false teachers, their characteristics, and what we are to do and how we are to... Uh, deal with them and win them over, either by love or with truth about their future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you all.